comes along and appreciates you often enough. So I wanted just to take a moment to, uh, to pray for our mothers. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for, for moms who give of themselves and give of themselves and oftentimes, most of the time, go unnoticed. They, they care and they love us even when we're not lovable. They stand by our sides. When we're growing up, making sure that we have what we need when we go to school and making sure we have what we need when life's not fair and coming alongside when it's tough, coming alongside us when we're hurt. We thank you for them. We thank you for the way they continue to care for us even when we grow up and grow old and move away and the way they care for our children and the way they continue to adore us and respond to us and make sure we're all right and to make sure that we're cared for. I thank you for, for moms and that you've given us mothers to, to love us. And thank you. I hope that they feel appreciated. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be in, continuing in our series in John chapter 8. We've been going through this little small mini-series called The Proof Text of Jesus. We think about the proof text. Basically, the proof text is a passage of the Bible to which is made in support of an argument or maybe a position in theology. The last couple of weeks, what we've done a couple of weeks ago, we talked about forgiveness. Uh, last week, Aaron talked about testimony and story. He talked about Jesus' testimony in his, in his story. And, and today, we're going to look at truth. When you think about truth, there's many statements or phrases that are made concerning the idea of truth. You think about the term, truth is relative. Have you ever heard that term? The idea that this idea that, you know, whatever your truth is, is relative to you. And so if you're a, a guy, but you think you're a girl, that's your truth. Um, if you think something's true and no one else thinks it's true, it's all right because you believe that it's true. And so truth is relative. Another statement that's made is truth is stranger than fiction. You know, a lot of times with fiction, you have set boundaries that they have to work within. But when you have truth, they can do whatever it wants. Truth kind of surprises you sometimes. You're like, holy cow, that's what it is? But truth is stranger than truth. Maybe it's truth or dare. Maybe you played as a kid. Maybe you played as an adult. Um, yeah, this idea of truth, and a lot of times with truth or dare, you know, you've you got to tell the truth, or do you want to dare? And we're so afraid of the truth and not telling the truth that we, that we take the dare. There was a movie back in 1992, uh, A Few Good Men, that had a statement that a lot of us have probably said over and over again to somebody that didn't want the truth, where Jack Nicholson says to Tom Cruise, you can't handle the truth. Uh, Mark Twain said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. And there will be a few discussions concerning the truth in the life of Jesus, but in the, what we're going to look at today, the text we're going to look at today, Jesus declares that he is the truth. And so let's look at verse 31, if you would turn there with me in chapter 8. It says this. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, Jesus is turning his attention to Jews, it says, who believed. And so if you were here last week when Aaron was preaching in the text, the very end of it, it said after, after they heard the story of Jesus, after they heard the testimony of Jesus, they basically, it says in the text, that they believed in Jesus. And so we get here and he's talking to these people that believe in him. 
And he says to these people who believe in him, it says, if you abide in my word, the truth will set you free. Now, the word abide means to, to hold on to or to remain in. And he's saying there, if you, if you remain in the truth. And so this idea of you abide, you've got to kind of know the truth if you're going to abide in it, right? And so he's saying you need to kind of know this truth, you've got to abide in this truth. And if you remain in it and you re- abide in it, in the truth, then it's the mark of your, that you're my disciple. We've been talking about discipleship in the Bible. It talks about being a disciple of Jesus, which means that you spent time with Jesus, you came alongside and lived life with him. And what we're suggesting today, a word that we've used oftentimes is apprentice. That, you know, if you're going to go get a job as a plumber, you come along as an apprentice and you kind of learn the trade. And so this idea is to, to learn the way of Jesus. That if you're going to be a disciple, that you've got to abide in the truth, you've got to know the truth. And then at that point, you know that you're a disciple of his. We have this thing that we've been talking about forever. We have like this kind of this journey on your path to Jesus. These guys in here says that they believed. And so there's people that are exploring Jesus that haven't accepted him, haven't believed in him yet. Then there's people that are starting to grow in Christ. And they cross over that line. And they say, you know, I believe in Jesus, but my, it's kind of head. I believe who he says he is, but I'm struggling to, to, to apply it every single day. Then you got this idea of being close to Christ. And so you're kind of journeying along. You accepted him. You've been growing him. You're getting closer to him. But his truth is there. And sometimes it is. Sometimes you believe in it, but you're trying to accept it. And then the idea that we talk about sometimes is Christ-centered. And Christ-centered means that everything that you do, every decision that you make, you kind of filter through the, the idea of Jesus' truth, that you live your life based on what Jesus has said. And so this idea of being Christ-centered, and that's what Jesus is saying here. He said, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. And if that happens, he says, the truth will set you free. And so his declaration that he's making to these new believers, he's saying to them, the truth will set you free. If you know truth, then you're going to have freedom. If you know truth, then your life's going to be free. And so this is Jesus' declaration to them, to these new believers. Verse 33 says this. He says, they answered him, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? As Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offsprings of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. And so here you have these guys that are believers, and they're saying, you know what, Jesus, I've never been, we've never been enslaved to anyone. And you can imagine Jesus just listening to them say that, and they're like, hello, uh, Egypt? Do you remember you were captured in Egypt? Remember when Moses had to come and do all those tricky things to try to get you guys free? And when you had to go through the Red Sea, and when you were in the desert forever for 40 years and 40 nights, you complained that you had all this bad food. Yeah, don't you remember that? You never were enslaved to anyone. And besides that, since that time, Jesus is saying here, if you sin, if you have any sin in you, you're a slave to sin. He says, if you sin, you're a slave. 
And so he looks at him and he says this, and he says, you know, you say you're following your father Abraham, but really your father really isn't Abraham at all. He says, I'm following my father and you guys aren't. If you do, you would be following him. He's basically, your, your father is the devil. And he's talking to him, he's got your priorities are out of whack. You have the world's priorities and you're listening to the attitudes and rules of the world. And so you claim to be all about God, but it sure doesn't look like it with the way you're living in reality. And so the outcome of slavery this way, this life of sin, is that we become trapped by our sin. The things that control us. And you think about that for a second. The question for us today is what sin controls you? What is it that you hold on to that you won't let go of? What, got, what, what has you? What blinds your reality? Be, when it comes to truth, you're like, uh, I, can't, I can't think straight. Because maybe it's some type of sin. And the idea that, that Jesus is trying to get across here is if we're going to be emancipated, if we're going to be set free from sin, it's, be, it's to be set free through the truth of Jesus. And so when Jesus declares the truth will set you free and in him we are free indeed, then we can be fully liberated. You, know, you have this idea that Jesus makes this declaration and then he comes along and says, this is how you're emancipated. The two of those things, when we get those things right, then we're liberated. Verse 39 says this. It says, they answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. And they said to him, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if you were, if you were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are, your f- you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to be, to do the, f- I'm sorry. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And so Jesus gets to this place and he's like, these guys at the beginning of this text says that they're believers. And now that comes along, and basically at this particular point, he's unveiling their hearts. He's saying, you say you believe, but it's not really getting into to your actions. It's not getting into how you're living your life. You have head knowledge about Jesus. You have head knowledge about me, but it's not affecting the way you live. If you're going to abide in me, you're going to have to live out the truth about me. And so he unveils them, and he says, and in actuality, what you're trying to do is you're killing You want to kill me. You know, children who understand our father Abraham wouldn't be doing these things. And so if you claim to be Abraham's, Abraham being your father, then you would understand what I'm saying. But because you don't understand what I'm saying, I call you on whether he's your father or not. He says, actually, your father's the devil. He says, your heart's been captured 
by the things of the devil. You know, what are, what are the things of the devil? Verse 39, to go back and read that. It says, they answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I've heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. And so basically he's saying to these guys, you guys have killed the truth. You say to know Abraham, but you don't do what he says. You have no regard for what the truth is. You're not doing what God has said because you don't understand what I'm talking about. And so what are the things of the devil? In verse 41 says, you're doing the works of your, fa- your father did. So he's saying, you're doing the works that the devil did. And they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And so this idea of sexual immorality is talking about being born out of fornication. He's saying, we're not doing that. And so this thing, we're not of the devil. We're not born of fornication. But even, you know, you think about our culture today and our society when it comes to a regard for sexual purity. We kind of just kind of goes over our head and we just kind of accept whatever there is. I think back to when I was, I don't know how long ago, maybe I was in college when Friends was a sitcom. I remember watching one episode of Friends, and I don't know who it was. Was one of them was watching porn, and it was this big deal for TV at that particular time um, that he was watching porn. And all of a sudden, you cut fast forward to today. I don't know how many years that will go that was, but it's not that's no big deal in our culture. You think about movies and the sexualization of everything that whatever we feel we can do, we do. But the point of Scripture is this. The truth of Scripture is sex is still meant to be between husband and wife. And when we get that truth mixed up, all kinds of bad things happen in our lives. I can tell you for myself, 30 plus years ago, I, I, I had this all mixed up and backwards. You know, I viol- violated truth and because of that brought all kinds of different things to my life. Shame, whatever it might have been, but it's because of the way I lived then. And so things of the devil, there's a, number one, is disregard for sexual purity. And I can tell you, I violated that truth. In verse 43, he says this. He says, why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my words. The second thing of the devil is a lack of concern for God's word. There's no abiding. You don't carry it out. You don't know it. It's your agenda, it's your plan, you live your life the way you want to live it, and you don't have any regard for what the scripture says. You're not free. I can tell you in myself, when I consider what the scripture, the Bible has to say, when I consider truth and making my decisions, when I don't consider it, I make poor choices. I come up bad. I sometimes I don't get things straight. But in my life, when I consider truth and when I consider what he has said, I usually end up in a place that I'm clear-headed. And what they're doing here, what, what Jesus is telling the Jews they're doing, is that you have no concern for the truth. You don't consider God's word. He goes on in verse 44, and he says, you are, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, has nothing to do with the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. He says the, fourth thing, the third thing of the devil is he's a murderer. 
and I'm sitting here saying, hey, he's a murderer to you, and you can go, hey, I don't have that one. I'm pretty good. But if you look over to Matthew 5, verse 21, he says this. He says, you have heard that it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. He says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. You think about, this is some more hard stuff. He says, you know, you think about murder. He goes, I'm, I'm questioning your heart. Where's your heart at? No, he's saying, well, if you call your brother a fool, you're struggling. He's talking about anger and judgment and holding a grudge and insults of other people. And he's looking at some of these things of the devil are, are, are these things that trip us up. The fourth thing he lists there, he tells them that they're liars. He says, you're liars because you say you believe in God. You say you follow what Abraham says, but you're not following him. And I can tell you this thing about lying kind of trips us up. Yesterday, I had this baseball game I was supposed to go to in Eugene, and I was kind of wanting a break, so I was kind of praying that it would rain. And it was raining yesterday, but I was waiting for a call from Eugene so that they would cancel our games. And I got people that were in Eugene saying, it's pouring over here. How come they're not canceling? Like, I don't know. And so we're sitting there, my wife and I, and we're laying in our beds. The kids are coming around us, and we're just sitting there thinking and waiting. And all of a sudden, they, we got the phone call. I'm like, ah, oh, good. And so we started relaxing and just kind of processing through and talking. And then one of my children did something. And I caught him in something. And I said, hey... Why'd you do that? I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't do anything. What do you mean? And I'm like, come on. I go, I just saw you do it. What are you talking about? You didn't do it. <laughs> like, ah. Uh. And the next thing you know, I went into this tailspin. And I was, everything that was bad about me came out. And I'm a horrible father. And my wife is a horrible mother. And it was, well, how did it get here? And we had, it was, it was awful for the next six hours. It was just this anger and frustration. I think maybe the voice got raised a little bit. And it was a bad time. But all from this, this lie. I'll tell you the rest of the story in a minute. But Je- Jesus says that these character traits are what, are, are what is in you. He's talking to the Jews and he's saying, this is the deal. You might believe in me, but all these traits are in you. And, you're, and you're not free. And he questions, you know, this idea of sexual immorality, whether it's not listening to God and what God says in his word, whether it's anger or holding a grudge or insults or judgment of other people, maybe it's lying. Maybe not lying to your parents or maybe it's lying in your job, but maybe you lie to yourself and you tell yourself stuff that's not true. Let me ask you, with those things, does, do any of them really work? When you go down those roads, what ends up happening? Well, verse 47 says this. It says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you're not of God. You know, it's time for us to be liberated. The way we're going to be liberated is when we follow the truth. Because it says in the scripture that the truth will set us free. You know, today is Mother's Day, and what better, better way to celebrate receiving the truth, the truth of Jesus, than on a day like today. You know, when you let the truth penetrate your heart, it changes who you are. It changes things. 
And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So fast forward six and a half hours later yesterday, after a bunch of frustration, my wife crying, Mother's Day was absolutely ruined for today. We were making other plans to do something different. And finally, at some point, I went into this child's room and I asked a question. Why you said these hurtful things to your mom? Why did you say them to me? And then talked about the truth. I go, it was really small. I go, I saw what you did. (laughs) I go, why did you feel like you had to lie? Why did you lie to me? And they said, because I was embarrassed. I'm like, I go, I go, I love you. I wish you wouldn't have. You would have saved us this six and a half hours of grief. Your brother crying. Mother's Day almost being ruined. If you would have just told the truth. But then I said, how does that feel? I go, now that you've told me that and you've held on to it today for six and a half hours, how does that feel? And they said, it feels good. It feels good. I feel free. I'm like, that's perfect because I works in the sermon tomorrow. <laughs> but this idea that it's, I was like, that is exactly what I'm talking about. It's exactly what this text is talking about. When you know the truth and you live the truth, it sets you free. But when we hold on to baggage and we hold on to things, we're not free. And we're tied up and we're, and we're, we're angry and we're bitter and we're frustrated. And what we end up doing when, when that happens, when we're not free, is we end up taking everybody down with us. And we shoot the people that are around us and tear apart the people around us because we're holding on to non-truth. And the idea is we got to let go of it. And when you let go of that, that's when you become free. And he frees you. When you believe the truth and you live the truth, the truth sets you free. So today, let the truth of Jesus set you free. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. That's just a reminder to us that as we live this life, it's, it's tough sometimes. And sometimes we want to save face. And sometimes we want to not be found out. Sometimes it's that we're embarrassed. Sometimes it's just going to cause too many problems if the truth came out. But I pray for us today that we would abide by your word. That we would live in your word. That we know there's nothing greater than what you did for us at the cross. There's nothing greater than what you that you did and showed us how much you love us and you're like, you know what, it doesn't matter what you've done, you're free. We thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And we come to this time of communion and this time of communion is just about this. 